0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Community FC. We've got episode 7 of the Roundup Review Season 2 coming for you. Um, And today we are joined by a very special guest. We're not joined by our constant co-host Rich. He's not going to be constant co-host anymore because he decided to go on holiday. How rude. He's having a lovely time enjoying himself. So we obviously, you know, he deserves a little bit of downtime. So fair play to you. But we have got a friend of the show and actually a regular on the show who has been on. So Jamie, how you doing mate?
1: Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. Thanks
0: for having me on. No, nah, absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. And I'm, I'm really excited to um, get into this episode with you because we've got some topics that I think you're going to have some really good insight on um, as, as you're a fan of one of the teams we want to talk about. So um, we're going to we're gonna try and keep the episode fairly short as normal. We've got a couple of topics to talk through, all kind of um, based around different things. So we'll be jumping around a bit, but hopefully it's kind of hitting all the topics that we want to talk about. So... We're going to start off on the prem and we're not going to do we, i feel like we've been getting in the same kind of conversations recently and that's we, it's going to happen because that's where the content's being like the relegation battle has been the spicy battle of the prem and it's been what people have been really interested in however i think most of the results over kind of this week after the international break kind of went how people expected it wasn't really any shockers in that kind of sense and the same with the top two they kind of just you know plodded along and did the top two so i actually think the most interesting that happened um and definitely from both of our cases unfortunately is going to be the top four so um that's where we're going to kick off um so we'll quickly just go through the games themselves uh you know scores for people and then we can kind of talk about any any kind of points we got on them so um we might as well start off with the order that they kind of went in unfortunately um it's going to happen. You're just going to have to rip the band-aid off. So I'll literally let you kick off. But uh, it is my great pleasure to obviously say it was uh, Brentford 4, Chelsea 1.
1: Uh, it was indeed. Uh, I watched the game. Um, the first half was a bit of a bit of a boring one. Um, Brentford looked good throughout the whole game, to be fair. The mm-hmm. um, first half, like typically, Chelsea are going to control the possession. Um, but Brentford didn't let us out. Brentford was pressing so high. It was it was relentless, and um, it it was really sort of like the most nervy I've been watching us for quite a while, just because they made us so uncomfortable. Like nor- normally we don't have a problem breaking the press; we're pretty good at that, pretty good playing out from the back, breaking the press. And, but then it was it was the second wave of pressing came, so like we'd break the first press, and then it's just our our midfield, for example, was just hounded, and it's it's like uh, what what can we do now? And it just um, yeah, I don't really think the formation worked. Um, went with a four at the back. Um, Typically, four at the back has been pretty good to us this season. We beat Spurs like three times in a row playing four at the back um, in the space of like 20 days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time day, I just don't think the formation was quite there. It seemed to be a midfield three, Kante, Loftus-Cheek and Mount, and it just didn't seem to Not that right balanced, yeah. Exactly. It just didn't seem to tick quite as well um, we're, we're, without a cover or a Jorginho in there, for example, um, making the game kind of tick. Obviously, Jorginho is very press-resistant. With his passing, he's so so sharp with his passing. Kovačić is very press resistant as well, but with his, his dribbling, the way he moves out with, with, with the ball, and lots of cheeks kind of similar, but um, different areas of the pitch are where their strengths lie. And I, uh, I would say, I say Kovačić from deep, mm. I trust trust him with the ball pretty much anywhere. Um, but yeah, second half started. Um, Rudiger scored the absolute thunderbolt.
0: Yeah, let's, let's take time to go on the <laughs> highlight there. It, like, it was a fantastic goal, so that was something to, a minor constellation by the end, but great at the time.
1: It was going to happen at one one point throughout the season. He tries it like every other game. Yeah. He tries shooting from like 40 yards every other game. It's going to happen. Um, and, and this one flew in. And this was in the 48th minute, so second half. And we were one nil up at this stage. And this is the first time a team has ever been has ever opened the scoring in the second half and then lost by three or more goals so i didn't I mean, know that but yeah that that's, says it all that, that, that's not really a record that, that i'm proud of as a as a chelsea fan um, but like credit to brentford they were unbelievable they were they were so good um they they didn't sort of let the heads drop uh, they scored like i think it was like 140 seconds after we would scored or something like that swift reply and, and then just kept going there was like a 10 minute period where we just we just looked so shell shocked and they capitalised, so it's, you know, credit to them. They were, they were superb.
0: Yeah, I think you've kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there. Uncomfortable is literally what I would call it. Like, it just it never looked comfortable. They were pressing you. You weren't expecting them to pile that much pressure on you. And that's what kind of did it. And then as soon as they did the swift reply goal and then scored, yeah, it was, your especially your defence, they literally were like doing the whole looking around, being like, whose fault is it kind of thing? Because they're just like, what is going on? Why are we, why are we keeping, just losing and they're slicing through us like butter. And it was, they like just kept on pressing. I mean, a, a nice moment, obviously not for a Chelsea fan, but for everyone else, nice moment for Christian Eriksen scoring again. And, um, you know, but they did, they just looked like every time they just like sliding these, uh, like diagonal balls through past one of your mm-hmm. defenders. And then it's like, it's in the back of the net. And it just, I don't think anyone was expecting that after you saw the one nil. And if you've seen the goal, you're like, oh, what bang of Rudiger, the crowd's going to be, but you know, doing it. And it nah, just all fell apart. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was shades of that uh, shades of that West Brom game from last season, if you hmm. remember that one, the 5-2, which, strangely enough, was in the same game week. So, uh, so that, week. That, yeah, literally a day apart um, so from, from the prior year. So, the year before, a day apart, we lost 5-2 at home to, to West Brom. And it's just weird how it's kind of mirrored. Um, it's the same game week at home to a newly promoted team. We lost by three goals it was just a bit of a shock game and it was kind of a one-off because at that time we were really chasing top four last season. Um, And I kind of worried, I was like, the wheels are going to come off now. You know, we're not going to get top four, that kind of thing. And we just sort of carried on. So I'm hoping that this is only a a sort of a freak result. Yeah. And then we pick up where we left off because since, since sort of the sanctions and everything that happened um, behind the scenes, we've actually been very good. Mm -hmm. I think we've won every other game apart from that one. Uh, So it's a, yeah, uh, freak result. That's that's what I'm going to call it for now. We'll see what happens next week. Well, yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think, yeah, don't. It's not time to panic just yet. I think it's it, it, these these results happen and you shake them off. And it's one of them. But I uh, I, I do think that any uh, FPL managers out there. Next year, it's worth taking a punt on not expecting Chelsea to turn up in that week next week. If that's, you know, who knows? It could be a, a thing's gone. Anyway, it won't put you through that too much more. We'll, uh, we'll move on to another game. So I'll, I'll take the, the band-aid off this one. Not really a band-aid because I'm kind of used to it now. So we'll jump to the second game. The second game was my game, which was um, United Leicester, which was a 1-1 draw. Who saw that coming? Every United fan. Um, <laughs> it, Ralph Ragnick has literally transformed Manchester United into a draw machine. Like, if you have seen, I, 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 I don't even want to look at the stats and didn't to see how many games we've drawn in the last like 10, because it's probably like eight. Um, it, it, you can pretty much bet. I remember going to going to, to Rich's and watching the Southampton game we were like, it's going to be a draw. And it, I kind of just expect it at this point. And actually, for once, I do feel sometimes we get a bit harshly done and actually we should have won, but we just don't. And we didn't dominate. This game, completely opposite. Leicester deserved a win. Leicester should have won that game. I don't think, I mean there's a very controversial uh goal disallowment from the ref. Um and and and, and me trying not to be biased, um obviously it's against my team. I actually do think when they pulled it back there's enough for for it to be overturned, but it depends on like all the time it depends on the angle, it depends on the slow mo, but like it, it is quite clearly a like a hook isn't it like whether it's a bad hook or not it does hook his leg and pull it out from under him slightly um but it's one of them where it is a very harsh one if you're a leicester fan and that's that's what's hard to take i guess for them
1: this is this is the thing um there is such a fine line between what is and isn't a, a clear and obvious error yeah. as they like to say and I, I oh it's such a hard one i personally wouldn't say there's enough for them to be like that's a clear and obvious error because. Yeah. If he had given it, fine. If he hadn't given it, then then fine. I think it, it, you should kind of...
0: Yeah, go with the ref, um, ref on that one.
1: Side with the ref on that one. But yeah. it's one of those, it's so, it's so close, so on the edge. Um, but yeah, so Leicester probably do feel very, very hard done by um, by that. But um, on balance, it was probably a fair result. Um, it was a bit of a... As you say, there were, there were no shocks, really. It wasn't yeah, they, really a shocking game to watch. It's yeah,
0: yeah just nothing really happens, And it was, but I just felt that Leicester just at times dominated. we had a little spell, but they kind of dominated a lot more. And I just feel they had a lot better chances than we did. And, and regardless of the goal being ruled out, I think overall they kind of edged it a bit more. And again, yeah, I think if there's, I think it's, if there's not as much hook emotion, and he kind of, back, it kind of is more just like connection. I think it doesn't get given every single time. I think it's just because of the way it almost does hook him and he, it kind of pulls him a little bit. That's why it's given. Um, but yeah. It is a really, really tight one to call from 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 either side. Um, and you'd be fuming if you were Leicester in that sense. Um, but yeah, I just I mean, I'm not going to go on about it too much. I think United are just it is what it is. Like we we were terribly defend, we were terrible defensively, sorry, when 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 kind of Ragnar came in. He's made us look a little bit better at the back some games and other games were not. But then some games we look like absolute monsters up up the top of the field, but nothing happens. And we have loads of shots and, and nothing goes in. And other times it's just this draw where we don't really do much. We don't take shots. We don't do anything. And then we just take a draw.
1: Um, yeah. And- I just, I just want to kind of touch on yeah uh, James Madison. Yeah. He is, he's kind of unfortunate because England have such an embarrassment of riches yeah. in his position um, because he's been so good recently for Leicester. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of those players where it's like, yeah, we know how good he is, we know how good he's how good his ability is, but he doesn't do it enough like that that's kind of he kind of goes in and out, but recently I think he's been superb. Um, I feel
0: if if there was a poster boy for Purple Patch informed players, it's James Madison at the Prem. Yeah. because he is he's non-existent and gets dropped for like a bit of the season. and as soon as he gets that one goal, he just goes on an absolute streak it's, it's unreal. Mm-hmm.
1: That cross for uh, Inatros yeah, yeah. goal on his left foot. Yeah. Just, he's so good. It's just one of those one of those players that's just like so good to watch, um, and his his numbers have matched them matched that recently. Um, yeah. I just think, yeah, he's probably. I think he might miss out on on a spot at the World Cup, depending on what happens. Obviously, yeah, sort of, sort of, and... of start up next season. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think he might just miss out, which is unfortunate for him. Uh, just we're just so sort of overly populated in that in that role.
0: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I completely agree, and, and interesting as well. I don't, I don't have the full stat, but I think I'm right in saying I don't think um, Manchester United have, um, like, I don't think we've won without Ronaldo being in the squad or on the pitch. So that again is an, another interesting one to be like, oh, uh, Ronaldo's the problem, um, and th- the problem is we've had this really. Uh, I'm going to say it on here because we haven't really touched on it, but it's for, for everyone to see. And if you haven't seen it, this is me putting it out there, right? with Ronaldo and Messi, they're both getting on in their career and it's the first time we're now seeing the downward trajectory of their careers when people were overhyping stuff and they came in and expecting him to be top goal scorer you know, at United, top goal scorer of the Prem and still doing it then. You still see absolute flashes of it. Like the goal last week, I don't know what, you know, Fred is, Brazilian Fred is out at the moment in, in full force and he did that nice little back heel for the, uh, you know, our our um, Manchester United goal of the month and he's up for goal of the month for the Prem as well and then he just absolutely bangs it. yes, Um, they're given too much space, the defense, but like, it's still, it's still a great goal, but like people need to be realistic about this kind of stuff, but we are, whether the creativity sometimes gets stifled a bit in the midfield of Bruno or not, we are much more threatening as a team with Ronaldo than without Ronaldo. And I don't think anyone needs to go against that. Or it's just, it is mental that people are putting everything down to, to, to Ronaldo being the issue. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, (laughs) So the next two, I actually think were more shocking. Well, maybe not. Actually, your result was pretty shocking, but they're they're still quite shocking results to me this weekend. Um, so Spurs five Newcastle what? Now this is more shocking to me because Newcastle have actually looked a bit more solid recently, yeah. and you're not expecting them to get a drubbing like they did.
1: Exactly. Yeah, uh, and uh, again, it was similar to the, similarly to the Chelsea game. Newcastle went one up. Um, and from there, it's just like yeah. an onslaught from Spurs. It kind of, kind of just lit a fire under them, and they blew them away. And Spurs, Spurs are such a weird team right now. You like what? What Spurs are going to turn up for you? Like they were unreal that that second half against uh, against Newcastle. They were so good. And if they play like that, you know they, they've got every chance of top four. But then next week, the shit, and it's like it it just doesn't make sense. It yep. really doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, it was it was second half, is what I think. You know, we were saying in our group chat and stuff before, and I think I said when Conte came, that's the Conte I was expecting to see from him as a manager and trying to use some of that squad. And then some weeks, you know, it literally goes, but this is such a spurs thing to do at the moment. Next week they'll have a horrendous loss and be making comments about if they still want me as a manager again and all this kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. They're so hit and miss. But they are. I also think it was very much the same as you in the in the shell shocked sense because they literally they just the defence went down the heads went down and we know that Newcastle have been very sus in defence anyway recently much more solid at some of their signings but in general they've had a, a very weak point in their defence and you know when like Steven Bergwine's coming on and basically being on the pitch like seconds and then literally being like oh yeah I'm just gonna run through and score it's it's just a joke at that point to just keep adding more and more so I think obviously the score very much flattered Spurs um because they banged them in so quickly but they did play very very well um and and Newcastle again it's uh the same as you you in in a sense from from Chelsea can they bounce back and they kind of need to bounce back uh you know almost harder if they want to keep getting the points on I think yes, they're, I think they're safe, but it's still one of those things where they can't afford to take any like foot off the gas in, in a relegation thing. They should be out of it, but you never know in this, this Prem season um And then the last one um which again, another kind of shock result, and then we'll, we'll talk about top four in a minute in general after he's gone through this last one. but um so it was Crystal Palace three, Arsenal nil, which is again is not what people probably were expecting on Arsenal's current form.
1: No exactly. I, I've sort of been a big big praiser of Arsenal recently. Um, I I think, especially since the turn of the year, really, I think they've been so good, Um, so good to watch. uh, Really tough to play against as well. Like, you don't really think of Arsenal as kind of like a a dogged, determined team, but when they need to be, they are. Um, I think their record for for defending set pieces before this Palace game, because obviously they conceded pretty much straight away from a set piece, before this Palace game was so good. They were were unreal, so organised. But Palace just absolutely run all over them. They Just didn't give it, it similar to, to Brentford against Chelsea, I suppose. They were literally everywhere. Colin Gallagher was all over the pitch, yeah.
0: Literally, yeah, yeah. He, I've seen so many people uh saying that for that particular game, he was the white cante and had seven lungs and was just like <laughs> running round the pitch left, right, center. and center. He was though, he like covered everything. Um, and but I, one thing I think is really interesting though, and it we kind of saw it a bit in the first one and I'm like, is this just a thing because he played for them? But Vieira really seems to have Arsenal's number because, you know, it was only a, a last minute freak, literally last second of the game corner that they conceded to, to lose the, the points of the Emirates anyway. So mm-hmm. he did well the first time and now they've been, again, hit and miss but getting better and And he seems to have done it again. And actually, I, Jordan Ayew also scored a, a really great goal yeah. um, from a good cross and, and really well finished. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It
1: is, it is. Um, but yeah, pa- Palace, I think, I think I, I'm one of my best mates is a Palace fan. Um, so I'm pretty sort of well-versed in in the feeling among the Palace camp right now. And I, I don't think I've seen this level of optimism from Palace fans um, because it just fits to them. It feels, this feels like it's a rebuild. It feels like mm-hmm. this is the start of a big project for them. And it does seem that way because they're, they're changing their identity and the way they play football. Obviously, they're used to like Pulis and Hodgson football, yeah. you know, sort of, I oh, will keep you afloat, but it won't be pretty, that kind of thing. But now they're they're blowing teams away when they're really really at it, and you look at the the the, the number of games they've lost is, is is not that high compared to compared to some of the other teams in and around them. They've just drawn so so many games, just similar to Man United, I suppose. Yeah. But the brand of football is changing, and the way they play is changing, and it's just it's just uh, yeah that the way they're playing right now, uh, as I say, so so much energy, uh, it's it's creative. Uh, it's just not something you would have you would have associated Palace with um, yeah. not so long ago. But so credit to Vieira for turning that around so quickly.
0: Absolutely, and, and 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 not to dampen Crystal Palace's hopes and dreams. I'm just I am slightly worried what the effect of Conor Gallagher goes and maybe one or two others if they come in, then that could change the whole squad. But I think in general they've got a plan. Vieira's proving me wrong, and I think you know that they're, they're doing really really well at the moment. So we kind of talked about those were the shocking games. Um, so now this is the interesting one. So top four in in a, in a sense now becomes really interesting because United keeps slipping down because we keep dropping two points every other week or nearly every week at the moment. Arsenal looks like they were on an absolute rampage until, until the freak loss. I think I've said this for a while now, but I think I, from near enough, near the beginning of the season, I'm pretty sure you're going to secure third place. I don't think you're going to be scrapping for fourth depending how quickly you bounce back from this um, and anything else that happens, but I think you'd be fine. I think there's a really interesting one here where I do think, and this is no disrespect to West Ham or Wolves, because they're both, if you look at the points, Wolves are at 31 games, played 49 points. Tottenham are fourth with 30 games, 54 points. It's not a crazy amount. it. I know we're getting to the the tail end of the season, um, but, I don't think they're going to clinch it, but I do think between Tottenham, Arsenal and United, I, I, I would have put us on for nailed on earlier on when the start of things started looking up again. Now, I, I think I'm pretty resigned. I don't think we're going to get top four this season, um, which is not fun for me as a fan, but I, I just think it's going to happen. And I I dare to say it, but I do think it's between Arsenal and Tottenham. Um, so it depends whether, Arsenal bounce back and look uh, in my opinion I think they could do it but are they doing and no no offence Arsenal fans but you'll know what I mean are they doing a classic Arsenal and they're just not going not to miss out again because this could be the start of it and they, they have the biggest track record of doing it um, I don't know what, what do you think do you think it's between Arsenal and Spurs or do you think anyone else has a chance uh,
1: I do I do think it's between Arsenal and Spurs um, I guess the only saving grace for Arsenal at the moment is that they've got a game in hand um, I think they're level on points for Spurs right now um, yeah, That are. game in hand could, could come in You know, huge for them uh, But obviously they've just got spanked 3-0 to, to Palace So who knows got and United, you,
0: in you, Next week, week after
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly So some, some big, big games They've still got to play Chelsea as well Some big games coming for, for Arsenal um, But uh, yeah, you'd like to think that, that Chelsea have it nailed on for, for third um, But um, yeah, that, no more freak results please uh, Yeah, as, otherwise it becomes
0: too dangerous
1: no more surprises and we should be okay because, again, we've we've got that that game in hand over Spurs as well. So,
0: um I mean, that Arsenal game could be the turning point. You know, if we beat Arsenal, then then hope reignites into the United, into the United ship because we'll then close up quite nicely and then they could play Chelsea and lose and then it could be close again. So, but I just think I'm, the way the season has gone and we are the draw machine. I'm very pessimistic this season mm-hmm. when I was so jubilant at the beginning of the season, like that opening game, Oh, if I could go back and experience the feelings of the opening game. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll move on there. So that, that's kind of the prem, the prem covered. Um, And I just thought it was a really interesting topic, especially because two of our teams are currently looking for kind of top four positions, one a bit more safe than the other. Um, so the next one we're going to go on to um, is actually, we're going to go to the World Cup because obviously we had a lot of international break um, happened and obviously there was qualifiers and there was kind of some shock results. Uh, so I think we're going to talk about two games in particular, uh, There's plenty of games you could talk about in the qualifiers, but we're going to pick two specifically out. And I think you can probably guess what they're going to be uh, if you're keeping up in the football world. Uh, and then we're just going to talk about the the groups and, and the World Cup in general, uh, just for a little, a little one. And then uh, we've got one more topic after that. So we will not spend too long on this, but so the qualifiers um I'll let you kick off on this one, uh, Jay. So we had two interesting matches uh, and very shock results for different reasons. So pick whichever one you want and, and off you go.
1: We did. Uh, I'm probably going to take great pride in talking about the Italy game, to be honest. Off you go. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't actually watch the game while I was out, but I was keeping up to date with the score. Um, I couldn't quite believe it when I saw that they watched a, a last-minute winner. Um, and, and to be honest, I found... I did take a little bit of... I did smile a little bit after the way they celebrated the win. You know, they weren't the most gracious in... Uh,
0: I think it's hard not to when you when you had yeah. that chance in that summer and the feeling and everything. And then to, it, it's it's one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think they were the most gracious in victory at the Euros, mm-hmm. but I can understand that. I don't hold like a grudge against them or anything because, you know, you, you're, you're going to do it. Uh, we, we were singing, it's coming home every minute of every day for yeah. about a month. So, yeah, yeah. I, the, you know, you, you're going <laughs> to... We're going to get on people's nerves anyway. Um, But um, I saw a quote from uh, Bonucci after the game. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw this, but Uh, he sort of had a little jibe at the the, the system, the qualifying system. I've got the quote here. He said, "Uh, we played it all in a one-off match. It's an absurd system. There are teams that qualified after losing four or five games. We are at home after losing only one in the 92nd minute. It's truly madness. Well, Leonardo yes you know they lost one game right which was the last game but they mm-hmm. won one of their last six qualifiers yeah so how, they don't really have sort of grounds to moan especially seeing as they they literally just won the Euros you know they're they're a, they're a giant in European football they always have been and they went out to a team who are I think like 60th or something 67th in, in the <laughs> yeah. rankings that that should have been comfortable for them that should have been comfortable for their B team their C team even so you know they they're pointing fingers, or he's pointing fingers. You know, you kind of have to look at yourself. That that, sh- that should have been covered. That absolutely should have been covered for them. But
0: Yeah, absolutely. And all I saw, I didn't see the quote, but I saw enough Bonucci memes going round to, uh, <laughs> to I mean, Italy memes in general. But as, as you said, like the, the form they had before it, they've got no one else to blame. And I'm sorry, but if the European champions come up against North Macedonia and they lose, that's their fault And taking exactly. nothing away From North Macedonia Let's point that out here What heart and what fight They show every time The same as The same as I feel exactly the same As teams like San Marino They just play their hearts out Every time they're on that pitch And that's exactly what it would And actually What a banging goal To to yeah. put them through anyway So you know It's not even like It was a uh, an awful freak tapping Or a, a VAR decision or something like that. It was a great goal um, yeah. Absolutely stunned them But one thing which It blows my mind If we're talking about European champions not that long ago this is the second consecutive World Cup they're going to miss yeah I
1: know I know it's, it's incredible it's crazy
0: like, <laughs> and it's like you're looking at that team and you're like they, they had people um, that you know like Jorginho like it's like they're up for ballon d'Ors and stuff from the competitions and stuff that they played in and now I was like yeah you're not going to be at the world cup mate <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's bonkers and it the, the, and the funniest thing i guess if you're a player as well um i was listening to, i think it was something ben foster said but he was just like everybody thinks that normally they're like oh world cup you're going to get the summer off and stuff the way the world cup is going to be this time you're not getting a break if you're not playing you're literally training at your club like oh what there's going to be no downtime, and then it's going to be straight back to it. So it's not even like they're getting a a summer off to go and chill somewhere. They're literally just going to be annoyed that they've got to stay at home, train, and <laughs> get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, the next one, um, I guess if we're kind of done talking about that one, was the um the Senegal Egypt match, and I think this was a very headlining one for lots of different reasons. I think the, the the main one, and obviously the the really poor one, and this is. You know, appalling behavior and, you know, not condoned at at all by Community FC, which is obviously all the lasers again. Um, You know, it seems to be something that happens. Um, You usually see actually quite a lot in in Italy and places like that. Um, And and it it happens in every league. I'm not not pointing out fingers to specifically, it happens all over, but you do see it in, in leagues more than others. But lots of lasers in the fans especially from the Senegal fans it seems to be um when they were stepping up to do the, the pens at the end and if you've seen the the still of Mo Salah's face where it's literally just covered in like li- literally his face is green like it's like he's literally the, like the little the oh, guy's out of Toy Story at that point isn't he let's be honest but it's it's shocking that it's not just one laser that's like 15 20 lasers on his face when you're trying to take you know take a pen and you know I, I think that there wasn't enough done about it afterwards and some of the quotes from like the senegalese um, like teams and um, like boards and everything like that weren't particularly great they were like oh our fans haven't really done it before so but it's like come on but I, I think I' I'll let you talk about that and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about the next point I've got.
1: yeah I mean <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I've never seen anything like it. I've never Madness. seen it that bad. It was crazy. Obviously, you get like the odd person sometimes. Like you've seen it at tournaments before, yeah, but yeah, like one one laser or someone snuck a laser. Yeah, yeah. but they they were so blasé about it as well. I don't know if you saw like some of the pictures of the fans actually pointing them. But <laughs> one of the there was a guy looking like he was trying to change the sky shadow. Like he was literally holding it out like yeah. that, like so obviously, and nothing was being done about it. Salah was basically in a rave at yeah, that point, literally. And so, so no wonder he missed, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's crazy. I've ne- never seen it to that level before.
0: No, obviously uh, it's ha- it happens, but yeah, I've never seen it like that. That's, not that's to the blatant level and then just be like, oh, was it our fans? And then it's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like, just go watch the footage or like, yeah, it's crazy. But I guess the, the other point I wanted to this bring up, and I guess why there's a couple of stories and narratives if you want to build stuff around it. But obviously it was a repeat of the AFCON final. It was the same result. As the AFCON final And it's always the the Salah versus Mane And especially with them being teammates And talking about contracts And who's going to be there next season There's, there's so much you can build narratively around this But I just think, mm-hmm. you know It's the same result And the same thing that happened And it's just like oh, that, that must be heartbreak for Mo Salah in Egypt And Mane must have turned up to training And just be like oh, Don't care if you've got more goals than me in the Prem Like, <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? He must exactly. have And uh, Mendy was the hero both times Yeah Yeah Senegal.
0: So I just uh, it, it was just something to bring up, but yeah, I've never seen the likes of the the laser rave that was going on, and it's uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And if any, and this is the problem that uh, if anything happened like that in the World Cup, the actual tournament itself, there'd be absolute uproar because it was a qualifier, and it wasn't one of the you know, big European nations or anything like that. I, I feel like there's a lot less media attention. Like there, obviously, don't get me wrong, there was media attention and pictures and stuff, but there's no, like, I feel there's a lot less consequences for, for teams in, in Africa or somewhere like that. And I, I think that's a bit unfair, obviously on, on the team themselves, because there should be more investigation. There should be harsher sanctions kind of put on something that's happened. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the two games I want to talk about. And then I just wanted to, to really quickly, uh, you know, not to crazy amounts you can speculate right now, but obviously the, the World Cup draw has happened. Um, so, we, we have some interesting well, ones. So I'm going to go through every group. I think there's a couple of groups I want to point out. First of all, obviously, we'll start with the the group for England because that's who we both support, and uh, that is uh, Group B. So it's going to be England, uh, Iran, the USA, and then obviously we have a triple tie of who it could be of Ukraine, Scotland, and Wales. And it's like, I was like, first of all, that's quite crazy that Scotland and Wales could be in our group. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there's, there's qualifiers to be played there, but what, what are you thinking about Group B so far?
1: Uh, you got to fancy our chances, really. You got got to fancy English chances. They should top that group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just then the, the running, obviously, from there the teams that they could get. Um, it it then becomes a lot more difficult. But you have got to fancy our chances to to sort of go pretty deep into the competition. Yeah, and uh, absolutely.
0: The, the worst thing that I've seen talking about, like. Uh journalism news outlets and stuff how many people have already started labeling group b the group of death i was like are you taking the piss like that is absolutely not the group of death there was much harder groups that i've been playing <laughs> absolutely i was like yes there could be a competitive game versus you know one of those teams potentially but i england should be topping that group and comfortably topping that group without any disrespect to any of the other teams um you know for me personally i think there is other groups where there's um, a lot more chances. Like you kind of need one team, which could be a bogey team or a bigger team. I think, for example, um, group D France, Australia, um, And then it's got Denmark um, as if they got through, I think that could be interesting because Denmark can throw some spanners in the works. Um, And then UAE, Peru, or Tunisia, like you're thinking those two are going to be the ones, but again, they'll be the ones that progress. Um, Or you could say the same as, um, you know, group E, for example, Spain, and it's going to be Costa Rica, New Zealand, Germany, and Japan, you know, Mm -hmm. they've got two big Titans clashing. And, and, and that's where I think lots of these, if you look through most of them, there tends to be the top two that you can quite comfortably go I'd be, you know, I'd place my money on those two being the ones that qualify out of the groups. But then the interesting thing happens of usually it's who does that team then have to play because they finish top. That's where the exactly. exciting part happens. So I think most of them are pretty standard. Obviously, the World Cup, anything can happen. We've seen it a million times.
1: I actually think Group F looks mm-hmm. a little bit of a, looks a great group. Yeah. It's Bel- Belgium, I'm not looking at it now, but Belgium, Croatia, Canada... And Morocco, uh, is it?
0: And Ghana, not Canada, be yeah. Group F, is it? Yeah, Belgium, Belgium Ghana, Morocco, Christ. Croatia. Is it? Yeah.
1: Oh, I could swear it was... Uh, anyway, clearly I've got that wrong. Um,
0: Canada is Group H, which I also think spicy, which is Portugal, Canada, Uruguay, South Korea.
1: I think I'm looking at a different one here.
0: Unless this I've group. got a different website. I mean, I've got Sky Sports up, so <laughs> hopefully they got their facts right. <laughs>
1: 'Cause I got group I got group H as Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. Oh. Anyway. So
0: maybe one of them's got the teams the wrong way around.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Either way, uh, I, I thought it was it was Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia, which um, yeah. would be Yeah. You would know, expect Belgium and Croatia to come through that. You would. Uh, but but Canada are on kind of like a Yeah. That bit of an upwards trajectory i think this is the only time i've seen canada kind of like <laughs> yeah. any kind of threat in my lifetime
0: yeah yeah i mean again i think some of those teams like canada are very reliant on one or two players of their absolute superstars of the team that need to be fit to to be able to pull them through um so that that would be an interesting one but i think you know obviously there's gonna be more to come out and and very much later down the line we'll start talking more about like England squads and that kind of stuff and that's where we can really do some some fun predictions and see what happens but currently for now there's not really much more to talk about it's the groups um, and and I think yeah as I said most of them you can kind of pick out the top two some of them there's going to be a, a spicy second and third place finish and usually there's one which is going to be the weak one of the group but it's the World Cup comp, Cup competitions anything can happen um, and, and that's what you like about it and, and it's, it's good fun and um, so that's kind of for the World Cup. And the, the last one I want to talk about, and that's why I want to keep a bit of segment here. Um, we've talked about this uh, on a couple of podcasts, um, but I, I thought uh, even when it happened, I was like, oh, I need to get I need to get Jamie on. This is going to be definitely a topic for him. Uh, but we've covered it before, but they're going to cover it from different angles. So we're going to be talking about the, the Chelsea sanctions, but we've talked about them before, and um, I'm basically going to let you open forum go for it here. And I'll, I'll kind of chip in when I've got any questions or something. But I think... Um, I think most people, if you're not a Chelsea fan, wants to know what it's like with the sanctions of being on a club. If you are a fan of that club,
1: yeah, uh, I watched the episode that, that you and Rich uh, did on this uh, particular topic, and I kind of echo initially. I kind of echo what you guys said. I, mm-hmm. I think you spoke spoke really well. Um, you were pretty level headed on it. Um, it's a it's a strange one. It's not something that that I think many people are going to experience as a supporter of a club of um, Pretty much ever, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, on the sanctions. First of all, um, I know it feels like an absolute lifetime ago now. It feels like so much has happened since yeah. since that that they actually came in. But um, I think it has to happen. I think it's the right thing to do, um, and I know a lot of Chelsea fans kind of echo that. There are a lot of a lot of people that that will feel hardly hard done by, and you know it's always going to happen. But obviously, the bigger picture is what's what's going on in in mm-hmm. the Ukraine at the moment. Um, so kind of, kind of right now it's, it's knees must, it's whatever it takes to, to stop that, um, which I think is, is kind of the general consensus. Um, so, yeah, uh, with, with the current situation, with what's happened since, uh, it feels like the, all the news that comes out, it just gets more and more bleak for Chelsea fans um, we've had a lot to kind of deal with recently obviously the sanctions on of it's not being able to go to games or buy merchandise or mm-hmm. or do anything uh, like that to support the club other than obviously watched from home and then there were, obviously there was talk of like extreme levels of like you know uh capping travel to games and whatever but I think they've sorted that out now yeah. you know they, they've kind of changed the license to allow them to actually to actually operate properly as a football club which mm-hmm. is which is Is good news, um, considering no money is going to go to to Roman now anyway. Um, We've got the contract situations. Uh, So, Rudiger, obviously the the biggest talking point right now is that he's out of contract in the summer. Um, If we don't sort this out pretty soon, I think it's safe to say he's gone. Love him at United. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let's not talk. We won't talk about that shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Christensen, I think's gone anyway. He's, I think, pretty sure he's agreed terms with Barcelona. Yeah. Um, Asper equator has signed a new contract, so that yeah. that's a bit of a, that's like, a, a, sort of a little bit of good news. Um, he's he's been a you know a, a model professional since he since he came to the club, and he's a great captain. So I think we need him, even if he's kind of phased out a little bit because he's getting a little bit older. Still in the dressing room. And, yeah, exactly. And if another injury happens to Reece James, then you know we're in trouble. So we absolutely need him, yeah. um, and it, and it would help not having to to invest in another another sort of right back cover, for example, because yeah. we know Reece James is first choice. So, and then recently broke the news of Thomas Tuchel splitting with his wife. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. Um, no. So yeah, Thomas Tuchel and his wife have split. I think that was like last week, just after the Brentford game. Uh, so. Anything that can be thrown at Chelsea is kind of being thrown at Chelsea right now. So it feels like there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, I think I, I speak for a lot of Chelsea fans when I say that Thomas Tuchel staying is the most important thing mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, regardless of the owners or what, Thomas Tuchel is the one that we need to keep. I'd I'd see any player in that current squad leave before before I see Thomas Tuchel leave. But you know he's been absolutely incredible. He's, uh, he's he's been amazing since the sanctions as well. He's mm-hmm. conducted himself absolutely yeah, perfectly. Absolutely. Um, and there are a lot of managers that we've had in the past that, that wouldn't have dealt with that quite so well you know the, the Mourinho's, the Contes that would they have stuck about uh, would they have, have spoken so so well as he has um, yeah. I, I don't really think so. And then of course before the Brentford game there was the protest I'm sure you might have saw that as well about yeah. the, uh, the the Ricketts family the, the one of the one of the three or four main bidders mm-hmm. um, it seems like the board, chairman bruce buck and the rain group who are conducting the sale are kind of giving them preferential treatment and they, they prefer their bid um which obviously money talks they're the richest bidder um but they they have a, a long history of of uh out of turn comments a lot of racist comments that i'm sure you might have seen yeah um, and this, this we're not we're not talking things that have happened back in like the 90s or, yeah, you know the, the, that have been taken out of context it's like 2020 2021 you know th- these are comments that are really really fresh and uh obviously the, the fan base they don't take kindly to that it's not we, we don't need somebody like that sort of represented our club and owning the club and making the decisions for us so um obviously we saw the we had the um the protest and i think it's really really important that the board and the rain group take the fans' feelings and thoughts into account here because absolutely, you know that, that they're going to be like the biggest tool for them to use. They need to get the fans on side. You absolutely have to. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I think hoping. Oh, go sorry.
0: Oh, I was going to say. Was just gonna... <laughs> oh, I was just going to say. I was just... oh. <laughs> <laughs> you go. You go.
1: So I was just going to say that um... I forgot what I was going to say now. I'm <laughs> <each other> too <laughs> sorry, many times. You carry on. Sorry, you carry I, on.
0: <laughs> I was going to say um, that. It it, it, it I, I kind of spoke about it on there as well. And it was having that fan um voice. It, I was saying it's really hard to make your 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 voice as a fan heard or a fan group heard, but you can exactly like you've done have some sway in their decision by, if you're protesting the people that it's against, but also my point um, was going to be against, uh, you know, regardless of the whole Glazer American owner situation, which I think is terrible for most of the ones that have done it. Cause they care more about their other teams in America that they bought rather than the the, the English Premier League teams that they buy. But regardless of it, Chelsea football club cannot afford whoever buys the club currently, there can be no dirt that affects them in a year's time, a few years time. Ten, You you just can't afford that right now. So whoever you go, one, you have to have the fans on side, but two, you absolutely have to have the right investment group behind it. That's not going to make any fuck ups or mistakes because otherwise you just, you can't handle that. Like, because next time it could be points deducted. It could be all sorts of stuff that goes on it and you you just can't afford that as a club.
1: No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It needs to be the cleanest of the clean. Uh, which I think is why this protest could be so important because, mm-hmm. because that's, that's only going to come out in a few years' time in the, in the media. It's already out there. I don't really know why it's being covered up. Um, but, uh, well, money, obviously, money, yeah. money talks. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, it, it, seems, it seems like there's a bit of a sort of – there's a few weird things going on inside the club as well with Bruce mm-hmm. Buck, the chairman. It's kind of – he's gone out of his way to set up a meeting – with the Ricketts family and Paul Cannaville, who was the first ever black player to play for Chelsea, <laughs> and he's been, you know, he's 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 been sort of an activist against racism within football and within the club. Um, so they probably thought, oh, we we could smooth this guy. PR this media
0: a, spin, yeah.
1: This is a big figure in the Chelsea community. Um, so yeah, it, it just feels like they're giving them preferential treatment. They really want them to buy the club, and the fans are saying we don't want them. We absolutely don't want them. And there's been a whole campaign on Twitter. It was number one trending in the UK, um, and then the protest at the game the other day. I don't think it's going to stop there, to be honest. Um, so for as long as this goes on, I think you can you can expect to see more protests. I think there's word of uh, word going around of protests at the Madrid game at home as well. Um, so and we've seen the power that the protesting has in the past with the whole Super League thing as well. Um, I mean, it sort of reversed that in like 48 hours almost. So, Mm
0: -hmm. um, I mean, so fan voice is such an important thing. And I know, again, it is hypocritical of what I'm about to say in some senses from from being a United fan. But the the, the sad truth is money talks in both ways because United, obviously, we have and again very recently massive protests against the glazers you know we, we literally got games called off by blocking roads we you know again you know against liverpool and stuff like there was there's lots you can do as a fan um but at the same time half of the people that are also touting glazers out as soon as they dip their money and finally invest a little bit just to keep people happy and go, Oh, we're going to spruce up old Trafford and put a coat of paint on it. Or we're going to put a hundred extra million into the transfer kitty this season or something. Some of those, you know, voices get a bit quieter and dip. And the problem is you need to be unified on these topics. And if you, you know, United, we need to keep on going with the Glazers, and, you know, Chelsea fans need to keep going against the rickets to make sure that, that you don't fall into that situation. It's just one of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And I was going to say, I, I'm glad you touched on the, the kind of American sports model when it comes to owning football clubs. Obviously, um, the the other main bidder right now is Todd Bowley, mm-hmm. who I, th- I think is owner of um, the LA Dodgers, um, yeah, baseball team. And um, he is, I think, it's pretty unanimous amongst the Chelsea fans that he is, he is who the fans want to take over. Mm-hmm. Um, seems a little bit different to to a lot of other sort of American ownerships that we've seen, um, and that that was kind of something that I wanted to avoid to start with um, yeah. because I've se- I've seen it. Obviously, it's it's not gone down well with you guys. Arsenal aren't uh, very fond of their owners Liverpool. either. Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool's kind of a split one because I actually think they've done pretty well, but I'm not as involved um, as Liverpool fans, obviously. But I, I yeah. know it's it's not quite. To the extent no. the United fans feel yeah, about yeah. Glazer or or whatever, but um yeah, I know they've certainly got their gripes about the about FSG as well.
0: Yeah, I think um the the, the only thing I would say, I think he, he the the guy, sorry, I have forgotten his name, the guy that's putting for the bid for the Dodgers, he um uh, he, Todd Bowley. Yeah, it's Todd Bowley. So he, because just, just from the background, that I know all the Dodgers and stuff themselves and, and what's kind of happened this year at the Super Bowl amplifies it more than I could ever comment on it, um, is that I think that there's a very big split here and it could go really well or really badly either way. Because one, he seems to really care about investing in the teams. But two, and it's a very American thing to do, the reason that they pumped so much money into this season and why they won the Super Bowl this year is because it was in LA and they made this Hollywood story of like let's make it the best it can possibly be, and that's why they pump loads of money into it. And that's what worries me about uh, if, if they if they don't have anything like that to do for Chelsea, maybe they pump loads in at the beginning to go oh look we're here let's make let's make everyone happy, and then it falls off when it's not so in the limelight. And it's it's kind of the same as. um, like like it's happened with uh, with other clubs as well and you see the, the bright shiny owners come in and then it, it all goes really downhill the same as <clears throat> the glazers for example they own the Tampa bay bucks the ones who bought the year before they obviously bought tom Brady and you know were like let's invest and get people back and stuff it, they don't seem to transition the same thought process into the english clubs that they, they own so it's just a one to be wary of
1: no absolutely and i, gr- I agree with you i, th- I think um yeah, uh, to have fan backing, um, they're going to need to know what's where the money's going to be invested. Um, and and pretty much straight away as well, because obviously we've had this, this kind of month-long or so period of, yep. of pretty much no money coming into the club. So we're going to need to make sure that we're going to be stable and we're going to be back on our feet and, and we can compete because we were getting to a stage. Obviously, we're working on something with Tuchel here. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's building something here. Um, so we need to we need to know that, that that's going to continue and they're going to allow that to continue. So yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, and, and in general, I think the the main thing um, for for Chelsea fans and actually anyone a fan of the Premier League, it, we just need to know some timeframes on these things because it keeps I keep seeing articles where it keeps changing. It's next week, it's yeah. next month, it's next... Like, I don't think anyone knows. I think I made a joke last time. I, mean, like, I don't even think Chelsea board knows Like from the government. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone can give you a, an exact date of when this stuff needs to be settled by. But obviously for you being a Chelsea fan, you need it to be sorted ASAP. And it, the quicker it can be before the end of the season, the more stable things can be put in place for contract talks, for loan players, for new signings, all that kind of stuff is going to have a massive effect the longer it doesn't, um, doesn't appear. But hopefully for your sake and for for the sake of a, a good premier league team um with no you know bias there it's you know for the for the prem it, it needs to be sorted because you are a strong team in that league a force in europe and that's you know something that the prem can't afford to lose one of our top tier teams that that's just the bottom line of it
1: um yeah. i mean have you got anything
0: else to kind of add on that or do you think we've mostly kind of covered from a from a chelsea fan perspective
1: no i think that's pretty much it right now um i'd love to give you sort of more insight but um we kind of we're in a similar boat to you. We're kind of in the dark as to what's going yeah. on right now. Um, so it's a obviously, obviously we, we we hear sort of rumors and stuff coming out um, that I could speak on, but it's it's yeah we're a little bit in the dark. There's been little to no annou- announcements recently. Yeah, um, that to touch on. So no really new news as such. but um, yeah, yeah, just, we'll just rumors. Have to kind of see where it goes. Yeah, just have to yeah. see where it goes um, from um,
0: here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, rumors is one of those things. Uh, you know. You 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 know it more than lots of other fans as well. I don't even bother with half the rumours because my club is linked to every player, manager and dog <laughs> under the sun. And it's like one week we've literally confirmed the next manager and he's got his assistant coming in and that's what the news is about. The next week it's about a different manager and he's definitely not, it's it's bonkers. Until really hard proof is done or, or a journalist I really trust, I'm like, yeah, nah, I'll just yeah. Keep, on, keep on skipping those stories, which is why I didn't add that as a segment today because we could have... Um, um the only thing we know for sure is that rio is definitely not going on the coaching staff because he put a hilarious video out announcing that he was not part of the coaching staff <laughs> um so um actually i have one more question to ask you this is gonna be an interesting one um is a champions league not recording it it's 2-0 to liverpool by the way um oh, is it? and the, rest of the, other, the other games no no i won't mention that team and um I just wanted to say, um, I just thought this was interesting for you. So you're, you're, you kind of had some, some, uh, a couple of injury problems um, recently and obviously everything that's going on, on and off the pitch. Um, you've got a big game tomorrow. I just wanted you to, to give me a score prediction or wh- how far you think that's going to go. I think it's going to be a really tough game, especially after how the the madness that Ben Zimmer did um, against PSG. Yeah.
1: Um, Geez, I don't know. I I don't like doing score predictions of my own team because I feel okay. like I'm a bit of a jinx. But if I say if I say, oh yeah, we're, good, we're gonna feel, win, don't feel don't feel
0: pressured into if you don't want to,
1: and then we get hammered. But I would say if we if we are on it, uh, and we can bounce back. The game, be on. yeah. If we could put this game out of our minds, uh, and just just focus on the now, I think we absolutely can beat them. I think <laughs> they are beatable. Yeah, and we proved yeah, that yeah. last year. We, we beat them last year. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously it's. But, Benzema is one to worry about Benzema is unbelievable I've, all, I've always been a massive fan of him Absolutely. Um, but I, um, I mean I, yeah, I won't I, make I, you do
0: that I'll, I'll say that that's good enough I won't, I won't force you into it I'll say if you think that but I also would say on the flip side both teams are in a fairly uh, similar situation but you didn't just get spanked 4-0 at the Bernabeu by Barcelona two weeks ago as yeah. well so that is also something <laughs> over them so it could be a really interesting game I'm actually really excited to, to see it I think it'll be a fantastic game
1: yeah, I wish I was excited. I'm
0: kind of more nervous right uh, now. I, I assume. From a neutral, that is probably more <laughs> than, than anyone else. Um, cool. Um, so I just wanted to say, um, obviously, first of all, a big thank you to you, mate. I really appreciate it coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure. And to get your insight, has been kind of invaluable for, uh, you know, to give to give some of the viewers some insight into what it's happening, if, if it's your club at the moment. As you said, unless you're really rare situations, and the only thing I can kind of compare it to is maybe administration, but it's not even that. It's bigger than that. Um, it is, is a weird one. So I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you very much for having me, mate. I really enjoyed it.
0: Nah, cool. And uh, I just wanted to say, um, if you have been liking this content, don't forget to uh, give us a like on uh, YouTube or subscribe. Um, and if you hit the notification bell, you'll be notified every time we put a video up. I know it's hard to keep up when videos come up at the moment because the Premier League season has supposed been all over the place, really. Uh, so, you know, matches, thick and fast, podcasts come at weird times. That's an easy way to keep track. Uh, but also, if you are a Spotify listener, so I hope to get to give us a follow on there and give us a five star ratings. It really helps us out. And if that's your preferred way to listen to it when you're on your way to work or anything else, then that's really good. Um, but that's been it from us. Um, I've really enjoyed this episode. Um, some, some good topics covered, um, you know, We've got some football back. The international break is over again. Um, So the the, the fixtures come thick and fast um, and there is more Premier League still this week to go and some uh, spicy Champions League games. So enjoy your football this week, whether that's as a neutral or a slightly tentative but hopeful uh, fan of of teams. Um, Cool. So we'll catch you all next week. Thanks very much.